Hey, hey, I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Okay, happy Wednesday, everybody. That's going to be a new thing. I'm going to make it a thing. I'm super excited for our episode today. We're going to be talking a lot about mindset and giving ourselves a pep talk and extra boost and get a pep in our step. And we're going to talk about some bragging. I don't think women really brag enough. And I, I know Lily is a big proponent of the brag. So we're going to get into all of that today. And Bridgerton. If you guys haven't watched it, you know, honestly, I don't know if I recommend watching it, but I do want to discuss it. So it might be helpful if you watch it just for context of this discussion. <laughs> but Bridgerton is the most perfect example of why we are led to believe that we should be chasing unavailable men who don't like us, who ignore us, who manipulate us, who are, are just like borderline abusive. Because in the, all these storylines that Hollywood feeds us ever since we're children, these are always the main protagonists that are the love interests. And then they somehow at the end always change, which in my anecdotal experience, those kinds of people do not change. In fact, they just double down on their you know, unavailability. So I would love to do like a full deep dive on Bridgerton and hear what you guys think as well. But I'm pretty sure I wanna do a whole episode now on like Hollywood's lies. <laughs> Okay, my guest today is Lily Womble, and she used to be a top matchmaker at one of the largest firms in the US. And after matching hundreds of people, she realized that with training, women can match themselves better than anyone else ever could. So she created Date Brazing Coaching to help women build purposeful, fulfilling dating lives with her customizable dating coaching framework. So we're gonna get into the framework today. I'm super excited and let's get to it. Welcome to the podcast. I didn't even know that you lived in San Francisco before. So we actually have a Bay resident, a former Bay resident. Former Bay resident, now New York City. And SF is so beautiful and so wonderful and so hard to date in. Yes. So I'm very happy to be on your podcast. Thank you for being here. I didn't know you were uh, trying to be an actress too. Oh, uh, in a former life. Yes. So that's why I moved from San Francisco to New York because I was involved in the improv scene in SF with Stageworks. I don't know oh. if you're familiar with them. No. They were in the mission. I don't know what they're doing now, but I moved to New York to perform because that was something I'd always wanted to do. So I had these conflicting, what felt like conflicting passions for feminist advocacy work and nonprofit work and helping, you know, forward the well-being of women and girls. And then also this performing side where I wanted to sing and dance and act. And so I sort of, when I chose to leave SF, I sort of said, bye to the feminist advocacy professional world and hello to trying to be a professional actress. And now I feel like years later, having found my calling with starting Date Brazen and helping feminist badass women build incredible dating lives that lead to relationships and confidence, I feel like the worlds are melded now. You know, yeah. so it feels like I get to perform in my group coachings. I get to be on Instagram, which feels like my own TV show. <laughs> and then I also get to help women. It's awesome. That's amazing. I love it. So as we talked about, today's going to be all about confidence and pep talks and mindset and kind of building up everybody's just kind of internal 
I don't know, give them a little extra pep in their step. Yes. I'm super excited to get into all that. But before we do, because before we started recording, we were chatting about imposter syndrome. And I feel like this is kind of related to the confidence issue. So I want to first, we can kind of get this one out of the way so that we can, once we can kind of dabble in that, we can go dabble in the <laughs> the other thing. Yeah, yeah. But I was telling you that like, every time I do a podcast, I feel like an imposter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that normal? Well, <laughs> well, I I do the Date Brazen podcast and I feel the same way. And also, I love I love that when you brought up the fact that you wanted to talk this talk about this imposter syndrome piece that you also said I want to move past it quickly, right? And I think that that is also a symptom of imposter syndrome of like I don't want to talk about the fact that I don't feel confident, <laughs> but how do I build my confidence, right? Yeah. And so I think that First of all, we're human and this is vulnerable to put yourself out there. And when I started my podcast last year, I thought like, who's going to want to listen to me talk in a microphone? It feels so like, you know, er am I arrogant to assume that somebody's going to want to know my opinion on something, you know, but then choosing, I think there's a choice to be made, a self-compassionate choice to be made. Like, how can I have self-compassion for myself in this moment? And for what I was put on this earth to do. So in that way, choosing self-compassion means that I'm choosing that I have something to say and that is good. And that I will have complicated feelings about it. And that's also okay. Yeah. And like pushing through it and despite those feelings. Well, and, and acknowledging those feelings, like you just did, like saying like, I feel a little weird about this and I'm still going to do it. So a both and mm-hmm. instead of an either, or either I'm confident or I'm not confident, right? It relates so much to your dating life because nobody is ultra confident all the time. Nobody feels incredible all of the time because we're human. And so choosing that both and of like, yeah, I feel kind of low today and I'm going to choose something to lift my spirits and maybe it's okay to be low today. Right. And making choices based on that self-compassionate choice to like treat yourself with kindness and to believe that you are put on this earth to say something important, you know? Well, and sometimes I think about, I mean, this is a stereotype, but usually the perception is, is that men, they just do things. They're not conditioned for their whole lives. And I feel like as women, we're always kind of like taught to have all of your ducks in a row. Everything should be perfect. And then as soon as every box is checked, then you can apply for that job. But like men kind of just plow through and do it. And so for me, it's like doing the podcast. I don't even have a clue what I'm doing. Mm. I I started this just because I was like already talking to myself in my apartment during the pandemic. And so I was like, <laughs> might as well just like record myself because sometimes I say some weird stuff. Right. Well, and I would, I would add the caveat from my own experience that it's white men mostly who are taught how to just like go ahead and do something no matter what the obstacles, they are completely qualified for any job that they ever want, you know? And, and as a white woman, I also have the privilege of like not facing a lot of the stumbling blocks that people of color, women of color faced. And I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, right? So it was a very deep South context in which women were treated differently. And your value is based on whether or not you're in a relationship with a man. And so sort of acknowledging the complexity of the, of our confidence is also a self-compassionate act and like acknowledging the historical context of my lack of confidence sometimes can be really important to understanding myself and then overcoming, you know, being held back by my lack of confidence or insecurity sometimes, you know, did that make sense? Yes. 
I am Jewish. As a little kid, before I even realized that I was Jewish, I was experiencing a lot of anti-Semitism. And I feel like that also kind of in my like inner child work. <laughs> yes. Like, I like, realized that that actually is like carried with me a lot more than I really realized. Mm, yeah. That inner child work is so real. Yeah. It's <laughs> so like, hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you like your therapist or if you have, if you have a therapist, I need, I need to find a new therapist. That's a long story. Oh girl, I can help you. I have some people in San Francisco that I like. Oh, okay. Yes. I would love it. I love therapy. Yeah. I feel like we got a lot. That was like a good little Great. journey. So yeah, let's talk about kind of your coaching, what like kind of your framework is. And then I want to kind of drill down into like the confidence piece and then how we can boost everybody's spirits during this little turbulent time that we're in yeah well first of all i want to say this is the best time ever to date like or to learn how to build a solid dating foundation in your life so it's an excellent time for a dating pep talk we're recording this in january 2021 do you know about how i came to be a dating coach do you know anything that you were a matchmaker yeah so i i like started my dating career helping set women up and people thought that that was the solution to their problem, right? And I came from, like I said, feminist advocacy and nonprofit world. And so I really wanted women to be well in their dating lives. I wanted them to thrive in their dating lives and feel that they were worthy of extraordinary love. And I used at the time matchmaking to sort of help women to realize that they were worthy of what they wanted. And I had hundreds, hundreds of clients, hundreds of dates set up, thousands of phone conversations with dates for my clients. And I was really good at it. So I was like the third most successful matchmaker out of 160 at that firm. Hello. Oh, snap. <laughs> I know. Hashtag brazen brag. <laughs> but at the same time of being a matchmaker and being really successful, quote, successful at it, I was in a really toxic romantic relationship. So I met this guy on Bumble. I, at the time, was struggling with the internal narrative of you're too much. I am very intense. I have a lot of feelings. I love to talk. I love to be bold. And like, I, I make big choices like moving to New York to try to be an actress, right? Like, so I, I had this internal narrative that Lily, you're too much. And so I was looking back, I was looking for somebody to prove that narrative wrong. And so when I was on this date with this guy from Bumble and we got drunk at a bar in Midtown and cut to like, we're in a committed romantic relationship a couple of months later. And I, I knew in my body that it wasn't right, but I kept going with it anyway. I was accepting so much less than I desired. And he would say the right things, but then no action would be taken to align with his words. And I kept staying. And I remember it got, it got pretty bad to the point that I would be crying every day, begging him to love me the way that I wanted to be loved. And also blaming myself for being in that relationship and staying anyway, and blaming myself for being the reason that he couldn't love me because I wasn't worthy of it. That was how I felt. And then I would take a matchmaking call 15 minutes later and be like, you deserve so much better. You know, like, let's get you out of some great dates. So there was this huge dichotomy between what I was accepting for myself and the advice that I was giving. And so I came to this breaking point where I was, I was like, I'm not, I'm done crying over this person. I, I don't understand why I ended up in this bad relationship. So let me ex examine that. And I looked around for dating support after I decided to like leave that relationship and break up with him. I was like, now what? You know, my therapist was helpful, but she didn't have any dating advice for me. 
my friends just wanted to swipe for me to help me in my dating life, which didn't work. It felt a little bit like they were, I don't know, it felt like a little too playful with something that I was serious about, you know, and really mm-hmm. worried about. And then my matchmaking friends, I looked around, I was like, oh, is this working? I saw that only 5%, 3 to 5% of women who used that matchmaking service were finding long-term results. And so, and I, so I knew that that wouldn't work long-term for me. So I looked inward and started to examine beneath the surface of my checklist because that toxic X, he was everything that I said I wanted on my checklist. What was on your checklist? Like really intellectual, like academic and could have deep conversations about topics that mattered, like check, caring. So the way that that was expressed was caring for the causes that he really cared about. And that was really beautiful to me that I saw him caring for others. But what I didn't do is connect the dots between like, oh, I want you to care for me in this certain way. And I think the problem with most people's checklist, quote checklist, is that it doesn't go deep enough into what you want caring to look like. Because caring to you and caring to me are completely different words probably. And so when I started to examine what's beneath the checklist, I was like, oh, well, he was surface level caring, but not deep soul level caring. And I also started to realize that I was operating as if I was not worthy of what I desired. So when I was dating to prove my internal story wrong, that I was too much, when I was looking for somebody to prove that wrong, I ended up attracting the energy of you're too much because I was trying to push it. I was trying to date to prove that story wrong. I ended up attracting that story again and again. And just reinforcing. Right. So literally men who would break up with me and tell me you're too much in the breakup speech, right? So I had to fundamentally untangle and rewrite that story to come from a place of enoughness, right? So I had to come into, well, if you think that I'm too much, that's totally fine. You're just not the right person for me. Yeah. You know, so untangling that story from my context and recreating my context to be based in worthiness and abundance. And so when I did this, I I found it to be like date coaching for myself. And then I started date coaching my matchmaking clients and they started to find better dates for themselves than I or any of my colleagues could find for them. And so that's when Date Brazen was born about three and a half years ago. And so cut to now, I get to coach the most badass, incredible women who are feeling low in their dating lives maybe. And through my coaching experience, the brazen breakthrough, I could help them transform their relationship to dating, to transform it from a soul suck to an act of self-care that then magnetizes an extraordinary relationship to them after this work, which is like relationship, emotional work meets tactical strategy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's my framework basically. Yeah. yeah. And part of what I really like about the way that you talk about dating is that it's mostly has to do with inwards. How you show up is basically most of the battle. However you show up, it's really just your mindset and your mentality really matters. And I really liked one of the mantras. I'm calling them mantras. I don't know if you call them that, but that you that you said that I wrote down in my notes once was, what is meant for me will not pass me by. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. I think it's some variation of that. Yeah. And I find that so whenever I'm feeling any kind of like discombobulatedness just in general I'm like oh I can just kind of tell myself that and remind myself that and it's very calming and centering Mm -hmm. so can you talk about any other ones that might help people out there and then also how you came up with these yeah so I'm so glad that you resonate with what is meant for you will not pass you by 
it is a very grounding truth that you are in the flow of your life, right? Like you are on your motherfucking path and nothing can separate you from it. And I think that this sort of opposite of that, which is what most people are operating under, which is this like anxiety-based story of I've got to be pushing harder. I have to be dating more. I have to be on more apps. I have to go on more dates. I have to message more people. I have to play the numbers game to be worthy of finding love because otherwise I'm not, quote, trying. That story sort of operates under a fallacy that you can push harder and make yourself more miserable to eventually find love. So what I like to say and what I believe to be true, what is meant for you will not pass you by, means you're in the pocket and of course of of your path. And of course, there are things that you can do to amplify your joy in your dating life. There are things that you can do to set more boundaries in your dating life to guide you towards, I think about it like bowling. Mm-hmm. And like if the pins at the end were your dating goal, maybe you have a lot of dating goals. Maybe one of them is to find a relationship. One of them is to be more confident. One of them is to set more boundaries. And your mindset can be the bumpers that guide your ball to hit your goal, right? In bowling. I used to have shame about using bumpers. I used to have shame about like setting boundaries or doing mindset work in my dating life. Cause I was like, that's garbage. Like I just need to try harder to push harder and then I'll get to the goal. But really I needed more structure to bring more joy into my dating life so that I could reach my dating goals. So that's one thing. We are going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, GiftPod. Emotions are way more intensified since we don't have all those pre-pandemic life distractions. This year has taught me a lot about resilience and perspective. And the ups and downs of dating during a pandemic are, um, yeah, they're a lot. What's helped me to get through are the unsung bays, my friendships. Through GiftPod, I'm able to record a message to my closest bays and let them know I'm thinking about them and all the fun things we'll do together post-quarantine. The team at GiftPod will spruce it up with music and give it to them as a private podcast. It's a great gift to send to your friends as a pick-me-up and an extra boost to brighten their days during this kind of turbulent time. GiftPod is offering listeners 10% off with the code 10-4-BAY. That's the number 10, S-O-R-B-A-E. You can check them out at giveagiftpod.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. Another thing is I love to say, and I believe to be true, that you are for the few, not for the many. So I think the numbers game is a conventional dating myth that is is amplified by the dating industry because ultimately dating apps want you to download more dating apps. Ultimately, Hinge is not designed to be deleted. Ultimately, Bumble is not really a feminist dating app, right? They want you, they're a business. Oh yeah, especially yeah, especially Hinge. They say they have like I mean they have amazing marketing designed oh, to be deleted, but they literally never show me anybody attractive. Right. Like like match.com, by the way, was being sued by the FTC two years ago for fraudulent dating practices. Like they created bots to manipulate people into buying a paid subscription. And that's against the law. And and so when we look at the dating industry for what it is, it's a it's an it's a business. It's a three billion dollar industry. 
I want women and men and people to build their own rules of engagement for their dating lives and not operate under the assumptions that the dating industry is propagating, which is that it's a numbers game. So you're for the few, not for the many offers you an opportunity to sift through the noise to say, I actually don't have to message 20 people this week. I can only find the five people that I act- that I feel somewhat good about and talk to those five people. And by the way, I have the permission to swiftly bless and release them right now if they don't feel right, because I'm for the few, not for the many. So anybody who ghosts me, anybody who you know, says they want to go on a date, but never follows up, anybody who you know looks so cute on their dating profile, but never messages me back or doesn't express interest, they're gifts getting you closer to the few people who are actually right for you. And so that's, that's what I know to be true. And that saying is based on the work of Seth Godin, who's a marketer, a marketing expert, and his whole thing is minimum viable audience. Minimum uh, viable. Uh, yeah. So maybe you've heard of minimal viable product. Like, yes. what does your product need to be to mm-hmm. be successful? Whatever. La, la, la. Very SF conversation. Yeah, very. I've worked, I've worked on many an MVP. <laughs> oh my God. Minimum viable audience is this idea that most businesses are marketing to too many people because they're trying to be for everybody. When if they defined the smallest audience possible that they could resonate with deeply, they would be successful. So defining your minimum viable audience in your dating life means what are your checklist preferences? What do you actually want? Age, location, height, sort of education preference. Then what are your essence-based preferences? What are the values they have? How do they make you feel across the table? What personality traits do they have? And then really get beneath the surface of what you write. Like ask your, I ask my clients so many questions about their essence-based preferences that they get super annoyed with me. What would be like kind of classic examples of the essence? Do you want to do it right now? Oh, sure. Can you share one of your essence-based preferences? What you would think, like what personality trait or value would be really important to you? I think caring about the planet and animals. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that kind of spirit about like caring about like the greater good and society at large. Yeah. So what does that look like when somebody you meet, like how do you know if a friend cares? Like Like if they want to go to a protest with me or they are really engaged in politics, want to watch a debate together, being civically engaged or civically minded, I think. Civically minded. Yeah. And when you are having that civically minded conversation, how do they talk about it? Like what's the vibe you get when they talk about this? I think that, I guess they like really care and they're energized. Yeah, for sure. Are they somebody who like is optimistic or pessimistic or are they more in the middle? Optimistic. Optimistic. Cool. So what we did just there is like sort of, okay, so we, we, you identified caring about animals and the planet and, and social good. I would have you define like, okay, well, what does caring for animals look like? What does somebody who cares for animals do? What does somebody who cares for the environment do? What do they look like? What does, what does social good mean to you? Right? Like how do they have these conversations? (laughs) Where are they getting their news? How do they know what causes they care about? What kind of experiences might they, did they study abroad? Do they, do they care about travel? But how do they care about travel? Do they, do they want to travel to experience a new culture? Or do they want to travel to have a good time and get blackout drunk and wherever? Like, you know, like there are so many nuances to your preference around social good. Yeah. Okay. That may not be obvious when you just say like, yeah, I just want somebody who cares about social good. Like that's, that's what I want. I want you to get beneath the surface of literally every preference that you have. Okay. I like this. Yeah. The ultimate question after you identify 
So this is a big, long, basically a month long process in my coaching experience of really figuring out what you desire. And the ultimate question that I want you to answer is how do you hope this preference makes you feel? When you find somebody who cares about social good after you've defined what that means, how do you want to feel in the presence of that person? Rebecca, how do you want to feel? Oh, am I supposed to answer this? I guess just kind of like at peace or like calm. Yes. Yes. Comforted. Or kind of just like stable. Yeah. And I would imagine you probably want to feel seen. You want to feel understood. You want to feel joined. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was going to say togetherness. Like you feel collective. Yeah. Like you're on the same page. That's so exciting to identify because when you can identify that, you can very clearly evaluate after a date. Did I feel that on the date? Oh, snap. Okay. (laughs) We're getting somewhere. (laughs) If so, if so, cool. Let's keep going. If not, is it that they don't meet my essence-based preferences or is it that I have to gather more information about them? Is it that I didn't ask the right question? Is it that they sucked all the room, all the air out of the room by talking about themselves the entire time? Bless and release. Thank you. Next. Is it that I was really nervous and I didn't feel connected to my body on the date and maybe I didn't ask the right question or we just didn't get past the surface level? If so, like what can I do in my second date to investigate the social good concept more with him or her? Interesting. And then what do you think about, because sometimes I think people will feel anxious around a certain person that they don't feel comfortable with. Yeah. How do you disentangle your own anxiety versus your body's picking up on that you're not actually comfortable? Yeah. Great question. I think this has a lot to do with self-trust and how you feel they show up in the conversation. And I think this has to do with like, you need to explore this before you even go on a date, right? Like what story do you have about yourself walking into this date? Like I have all of my clients journal before their dates. So really examining what thoughts am I having about myself going into this date? And if the thoughts that you recognize yourself having are like self-defeating thoughts or thoughts that are based in an old self-limiting belief, then you can be conscious of that on the date and hold yourself and say like, oh my God, Lily, I'm so sorry that you're dealing with this. It's going to be okay. You are beautiful. You are enough. And then I think if you're aware, I think mindfulness, this is mindfulness, right? Mm-hmm. If you're aware and you're mindful of what stories you're walking into the date with, then odds are you will be able to afterward when you evaluate the date, which is also an important step of the process to take mindful time afterward. My clients literally have a spreadsheet that they use to mindfully evaluate their dates. I love um, a good spreadsheet. I do too. <laughs> I do too. So when you evaluate it after being mindful before you even walk into the date, as are you able to separate what was theirs? What was their weird energy? If it was their weird energy and what was my maybe projection Mm, going in? Does that? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Going going back to the sayings. Yeah. Recap. Oh yeah. What is meant for you will not pass you by. I literally got that from a dance class that I went to when they wrote it on the mirror because actors feel so much anxiety about like, oh my God, I'm not doing enough. I'm not getting the right jobs. And what is meant for you will not pass you by really calmed me down. I like that. Then, yeah. then you are for the few, not for the many. Also calmed me down in my dating life. Okay. I want to ask you about, so I listened to one of your old podcasts and you talked about how you can frame when people respond about crying in your love life. Yeah. Like they give backhanded compliments. 
Yeah. Like family friends. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, I can't believe you haven't been snatched up yet. Or like, I can't believe you're still single or. Yeah. Like, how are you still single? I don't know. I, maybe just because I have a dating podcast, I get that extra. Can you talk about just ways people can respond? Because I found them very helpful. And I don't know if you have any others up your sleeve too. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what I said. So this will be an adventure for both of us. But I do have a lot of hot takes on this. Okay, let's let's get the hot takes. Because like people listening and you, Rebecca, the people who give you dating advice or who ask about your dating life, that's coming from their shit. And I do think that it's okay. There's so many different pieces of this. I think let's take one question as an example that you might be given. What's something that you've heard a loved one or a friend ask you that felt a little weird that they asked you about in your dating life? Well, I guess common ones that I get a lot are like, you're too open-minded. Like you'll go out with anybody or they're like, you need to get clear on what you want, Rebecca, or you're being too picky. You're never going to find anybody. All these contradicting things. How does it feel when people tell you those things or give you that advice? Well, honestly, at this point, it does nothing phases me anymore. <laughs> I kind of just swat it away. I'm like, I, yeah. I, I'm like use, most people who are giving unsolicited advice, I automatically discount because I'm very intentional on when I'm asking for advice. So if I'm not asking for advice, I pretty much will shut it down immediately. Yeah. But that's because yeah. I have a boundary now that's like very clear. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. It's like a long time coming, but it's very helpful because it used to really be I kind of sway with the wind but now I'm like oh no I'm not I don't yeah. have time for that I think you're coming into such power or you have come into such power with your boundaries I love the Brene Brownism clear as kind unclear as unkind mm-hmm. so when you're unclear on what you need from a friend or a family member when in regards to your dating life then you're probably going to experience unkindness towards yourself so you, it sounds like your boundary is like I'm clear in who I ask advice from and if I'm not asking you advice then I'm not going to take whatever you share, you know, it's like, also like most people are not experts. I will take a dating coach's advice categorically. Yes. I will trust an expert. I'm not going to just go up to, just because somebody has a boyfriend doesn't mean that I'm going to believe what they say because they have one boyfriend and I wouldn't necessarily date that boyfriend. Even among dating coaches, there are dating coaches that I vehemently disagree with. There are dating professionals that espouse what I believe to be conventional patriarchal sexist dating advice. So not, and, and that's my opinion, right? So like, it's like assholes. Everybody's got one. Everybody's got an opinion. And ultimately I'm just somebody with experience who likes to talk. And if you get the feeling of belonging and connection and excitement, when you hear me talk, listen to your body Just like when I hear something that excites me and what you're saying, I'm going to lean in and listen to my body and what she's asking me for in that moment. When people are telling you, why are you still single? Or like, I think we need to acknowledge the socialization of women and the expectations of women in our society, even in 2021, to be married, to be worthy, to be married or in a relationship, to be a worthy human being. That's that shit still persists. And I do perceive and see that people are uncomfortable with single women. That's yeah, that's what you talked about. That's I remember writing that down in my notes about how people are fundamental. It makes them feel better knowing that they gave unsolicited advice because I think that's what you talked about. Because yeah, because it's like they're uncomfortable with the idea that there's a single woman. Yeah. Handle it. And they want to, we all make decisions to alleviate. Well, I think that 
people say things to alleviate their own suffering, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And so when somebody who is uncomfortable with your singleness says, oh, you should just be less picky or be more picky, whatever the case may be, that's them trying to make sense of your life in their head. And then trying to fix it like with a Band-Aid. And then trying to fix it. But they're not doing anything but exacerbating disconnection between you two. Yeah. So in response, really just mentally acknowledging that they own their opinions and you own your story. This is your story, your life. Your life is not made more worthy by being in a romantic relationship and you get to want what you want. So if you want to be open-minded, if that gives you joy to go on dates with different kinds of people, then your body knows what she needs. Your path, you are on your path. So the response that you can give verbally to somebody giving unsolicited or bad dating advice or telling you to make yourself smaller or make yourself more picky or make yourself whatever they want you to make you, I would just say to them, you know what? Um, Thanks. And I also feel like I'm in my path and it feels really good. And then leave it there or, or say something like, you know what, Aunt Sue, I, I hear you. And I really, I just believe that what is meant for me will not pass me by. And I'm really excited about my dating life this year. Yeah. Bingo. When a woman stands in her power in that way and then like sort of lets the mic drop, it freaks people the fuck out. People <laughs> do not know what to do with a woman standing in her power. And you know what? Good. Because there are family members i'm imagining my big thanksgiving reunion every year their family if i as a single woman would have said that to family members who were inquiring and hurting my feelings with their questions and thoughts if i had said that my little cousins would have been listening they would have heard a woman standing in her power if i say that around friends my friends then maybe they are given the permission to stand up for themselves so you choosing to stand in what you know to be abundant, what you know to be powerful for yourself offers the opportunity for others to follow in that lead. So it's really a a ripple effect when you can stand in your power in that way. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely contagious. And it's so energizing. I love it. 100%. I want to talk about bragging quickly. Yeah. Because I want to get into the brazen brag. Tell me how that came into being. Hashtag brazen brag. Okay, so I will tell the short version of this story. It is one of the stories that I could talk about all day, every day. It gets me so fired up. So I grew up, like I said, in in the South, in the deep, deep South, Birmingham, Alabama. And then I went to college in Mississippi, in Jackson, Mississippi. And I was a progressive young woman in these places. And there are pockets of progressive people. I was in a liberal arts school. But I chose to be in a sorority because I really wanted community. I wanted connection. And I don't think there's anything wrong with sororities. However, it felt a little bit weird when women who were like 19 were getting engaged. It's a very South thing, I feel. There are women all over who get engaged at whatever age. You know, bless them on their journey. But when I started seeing that the response to an engagement in that sorority context was everybody was so much more excited about a woman choosing to get married than they were about anything else in her journey, anything else in her life. We were not excited that excited about her getting an amazing job. We were not that excited about her figuring out what she wanted to do with her life. We were not that excited for her the rest of her journey. So I started saying like, 
hey, we should start a new tradition that also celebrates women's career opportunities and and something beyond marriage. You know, of course, let's keep that and supplement it. And I also said at the time I had this great internship opportunity and I said, women in the South especially have trouble talking well about themselves. So I'll go first. I, I would love to be celebrated. And then I know five women who we can also celebrate after I go. I want to celebrate them. I yeah. want like, God, let me like throw a party for that woman's new job. <laughs> so I started saying this to friends and starting to build an idea. And then I got a call from the president of my sorority who So I still get a chill thinking about it. She was like, hey, Lily, I heard that you have been telling members that you want to start a new tradition. And I just want to let you know that marriage is a sacrament in my religion and employment is not as important in any way as marriage. And you were bragging and people thought it was very self-aggrandizing of you to want to start this tradition. And that is wrong. And you really hurt everybody's feelings. And you should just shut up. And this is never going to change. And I wish I could say in response to that, that I was like, <laughs> okay, bye. But instead, I felt such shame and guilt. I felt such shame that this my friends were talking about me, right? The people who I thought were my friends. that. I was not supported in any way. And I just felt so alone and cried and apologized to her. And after a couple of months of like sitting on this, I decided that I needed to leave and I decided that I needed to cut ties completely and that I felt that something bigger was going to happen with this story, but I didn't know what. So now as an adult, it's sort of funny that I work as a dating coach to help people find amazing, extraordinary relationships. I love it when my clients get in relationships. But the goal for me is women who feel empowered as hell, who know that they are worthy of what they desire, who have the tools to get there, and along the way, bragging about who you are and what you've accomplished is actually central to attracting an extraordinary relationship. And so that sorority story where I felt so alone (laughs) and was trying to help women celebrate themselves, that then fueled what I now get to do and informed how I help women date more powerfully, find more powerful partners and celebrate themselves in the process. A lot of women that I work with now are uncomfortable. Every session, we start with a brag. Everybody has to share a brag about themselves and where they're at that week. And most people are really uncomfortable to start with that. But then when they get in the practice, it influences how they talk about themselves on a date. It influences how they get on a dating app. It influences how they talk to their family about their dating lives. And it's really powerful. I like that. You can probably hear my cat bragging right now because ah! you just walked in the room chatting <laughs> away. You see like, it? Yeah. Yes. Buster. Okay. Oh, Buster. <laughs> He's like, hear me meow and hear brag. Hear me oh oh me <laughs> Yes. And I, I want to say that I do have a celebrate your single self challenge starting February 3rd. I don't know. Oh. Or then we can try and get it out before then. So that people can. Yes. It's three days to make your dating life feel like self care. And one of the days we literally just practice bragging. Oh, awesome. So you can sign up for that at tatebrazen.com slash challenge. Perfect. Well, yeah, this has been so much fun. How can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about the celebrate single or just coaching in general? 
Yes. So uh, you can visit me, follow me on Instagram at Date Brazen. I have the Date Brazen podcast. I have so many episodes that are dating pep talks and really tactical, actionable ways to get in the driver's seat of your dating life and find extraordinary love. And I have my Celebrate Your Single Self Challenge happening, three days to make dating feel like self-care. We start on February 3rd. And then, I mean, so many things, but my doors are open to my coaching experience, the Brains and Breakthrough right now. It is a four-month group coaching experience where your dating life will completely change and you will feel so joyful in your dating life afterward and will be able to attract an extraordinary partner as a result. So that's open and you can go to datebrazen.com to learn more about the Brazen Breakthrough, my coaching experience. Awesome. We had a Bay Brazen crossover. Yay! <laughs> I love well, thank it. Thank you so much again for being here. This was awesome. And I encourage everyone to go check it out because I feel like your work really aligns with the way that I approach dating and how kind of like an abundance and just have fun and be silly and just embrace the journey because I think not enough people just enjoy the actual process. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what will attract the right people to you when you are in your joy. Yes. So you're, you're killing it, Rebecca. Thank you for having me on and so grateful. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Thank you to Lily for joining the podcast. And for this dating hack of the week, I think it's kind of obvious. We should all do the Celebrate Single Challenge that Lily just talked about. And I'll put the link in the show notes and we can all do it together. Send me a note on Instagram if you end up doing it and we can kind of even make a little group chat. We can all talk through and give each other some pep talks. So with that, thank you again for listening to Lily, for joining me today and for Studio Pod for producing my podcast. And I'll see you guys next Wednesday. 